Hey, y'all, listen in as we talk about lots of things, bad goals, solutions, how things went wrong, and who's really right. In today's global economy, quality matters. Benjamin Franklin once quipped, the bitterness of poor quality remains long after the sweetness of low price is forgotten. Quality Matters is here to talk about all things quality. So whether you're looking to improve your business, getting ready for an audit, or dealing with failed inspections, tune in, check us out, then get back to doing work that matters. Welcome back to Quality Matters, brought to you by Texas Quality Assurance, where quality management gets simplified. Kyle has created... Who are you? I'm Darcy. I'm Darcy. I think they know this. We get new listeners. Okay. New listeners. I'm Darcy. And I'm Kyle. Okay. I'm sorry I did not introduce myself. Perhaps they could email me and introduce themselves as well. This is a little one-sided. It is. It is. But I will say we've got tons of good reviews on iTunes. We just want to hear from more people personally. Yeah, I know. We like to interact with you guys. So yes. email us, message us, whatever you want to do. Woohoo. Okay. Um, so this one is Kyle's. I'm not in control of this one, and I might be twitching a little bit over that. <laughs> <laughs> It's a fun one. He wants to talk about accident investigation. Oops, sorry about that. Ding, ding, ding. In particular, I thought that was on quiet. Um, In particular, an accident that happened at a previous company he Mm -hmm. worked for. We have some made-up names. Yes. Um, So we want to introduce you to Larry, who is a welder helper Mm -hmm. and got hurt. Got hurt. Pretty bad, too. Curly... Is the engineer slash shop shop supervisor. Yes. And Mo was also a welder helper, but in this case, he was helping Larry, the helper that got hurt. Correct. All so right. I love using this example in trainings because it, it, it shows the true variety of ways that people can identify the causes of a problem. All right. So we talk about root cause analysis. There's tons of formal trainings out there. They're boring as heck. They're good. But let's talk about it from a real world aspect. So whatever the problem is you have in life, I think we talked about another podcast earlier from border control to a guy getting hurt. It's the same way of thinking. It's the same problems everyone runs into. So what had happened here <laughs> is that Larry got a a sharp piece of metal jabbed about two inches into his knee. Okay. Really nasty accident. I had to close my eyes because when he started talking about this jabbed and he was pointing down <laughs> towards the floor, I thought it was going to go on his toe and I just nope, was nope, nope. preparing myself. But okay, into went, his knee. It went in his knee. Now, he lucked out that there's this little sweet spot where you don't hit the kneecap, you don't hit any bones, and it just goes straight into soft tissue. Could have been way, 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 way worse than it was. The doctor said if it had been a quarter of an inch one way or the other, he never would have walked again. Okay. All right. So Larry got this big old piece of metal stabbed in his leg. Got it. All right. So the process that they had is they would clean out these fuel nozzles. And to clean out these fuel nozzles, they'd pour like this industrial strength oven cleaner in there. Mm-hmm. Okay. They'd let it sit and then they'd wash it out. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty straightforward. These uh, fuel nozzles also needed to be tested, or supposedly needed to be tested, to make sure that they sprayed in the proper direction. 
So after they cleaned out the fuel nozzles, they would uh, rotate them 90 degrees and then hook the same water hose into them. And then they would like snap pictures to match the spray pattern. And then they'd see if that spray pattern matched what those fuel nozzles were supposed to have. Okay. Not the most scientific of a way to do it, but, you know, it worked. Well, there's a number of problems here. So they're working on it. And we had, I think, about four of these nozzles on there, which was about over 800 pounds of weight. And it um, suddenly just rotated around and jabbed him in the knee. Okay. So I had been doing safety. I can't remember exactly. Maybe a couple of weeks, maybe a month. I mean, I'm still just a computer geek at this point. Okay. I've taken my OSHA 30, but that's about it. Okay. And so I get called down there to do this accident investigation. All right. Let's see what's going on. So as I'm talking, one guy says he was smoking. We had a no smoking rule. You're not supposed to smoke in the shop. Did Larry go to the hospital or anything? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I wound up taking Larry to the to the doctor, and they patched him up, and he uh, had some time off work. And so this investigation is like a couple days later you're doing? I don't know if it matters. Yeah, I just not like too to much. know. Um, it happened in the morning. So after he got patched up, I came back that afternoon okay. and started asking questions. And so Larry's not bleeding out on the shop floor while no, you're investigating? No, 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 no. No, I took care of him. Got him all taken care of. He was good. He was good. He got bandaged up. He didn't even have much time work. Okay. Um, it did take six months. This whole process took six months, though. Okay. Um, so I talked to one guy, and he says, well, he was smoking. That's the problem. He should have been smoking. Because he was smoking, that means he had a hand on a cigarette and not two hands on the work he was doing. And maybe not paying attention. Not paying attention, right? Okay. It's cool. I, 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 I can I can live with that. All right, okay. he shouldn't have been smoking. All right, man. So maybe if we just enforce our no smoking rule, we'll be good to go. But then that no smoking rule was only in the shop, and he was actually outside in the wash pit. Mm. So he's allowed to smoke out there. So then other people are saying we need to ban it everywhere, and then that created a whole uproar. I've not even stated my opinion about cigarettes, and I literally have people taking sides. Shouting and screaming at each other. <laughs> and I'm like, what the heck am I involved in here? <laughs> okay. Someone else says, oh, well, there wasn't a cotter pin in that. Because this uh, fixture with the 800 pounds of fuel nozzles could rotate 90 degrees. So one guy said, well, there wasn't a cotter pin in there. And that's why it fell. So then immediately two or three guys started jumping in. And one took off to the office and started ordering cotter pins off of Granger. I'm like... <laughs> Okay, so we got the smokers and non-smokers, the cotter pin group. What else we got? Someone else said, oh, well, his buddy Mo, Mo was- The helper. Yes. His helper. Mo was talking to someone else and wasn't paying attention to what Larry was doing, and that's why Larry got hurt. I'm curious. I'm always interested in the social aspect of it. I know it doesn't really apply to the accident investigation. So is everybody standing around saying this all at the same time? For about two hours, yes. So they're all hearing what the other ones are saying. Oh, yeah. It was okay. horrible. Okay. Now, mind you, I'm trying to separate and talk to people one at a time, but this was the first time anything like this had ever occurred here, and I couldn't get people to go away. Now, I learned a lot of other things in the process about how to do these investigations properly, so I since learn lessons it, it makes me think about our police officers when they're trying to get to the bottom of something and everybody's like and, I, and they're like you just go sit over there and then people get mad because they're being dismissed and they just want to tell their yes. side he's like i'm gonna come to you yes just let me talk to this person first <laughs> yes yes very very similar 
Okay. Except in this case, it's, you know, 30, you know, pretty rough fellers out in the shop. Okay. Yeah, but okay, go ahead. Yeah. So then, uh, you know, they said that, you know, Mo, Mo was talking, so he wasn't paying attention. Okay. Okay. Well, then I, uh, I finally go talk to uh, the shop supervisor, who's also the engineer that developed this fixture for these fuel nozzles. That's Curly. Curly. So I'll talk to Curly. Curly is insistent that Mo had not been trained on the process. Larry had been trained. Mo, Mo, Mo had not been trained on the process. So if Mo had been trained, it would not have been an issue. Okay. All right. Another uh, shop supervisor from a different shop. Chime, you know, because I'm just trying to figure things out. Chimed in. This may be in a few days later. And this created a whole other group of people. This was the caster wheel party. <laughs> okay. So we had the party of the caster wheels. The caster wheels on this fixture, because it could roll, right? Because we mm-hmm. got like 800 pounds of stuff moving it to a wash pit. Not really ideal for a forklift. Mm-hmm. So they would roll it. Well, the wheels did not have locks on them. So in the wash pit that they were in was also at an angle. That's mm-hmm. another issue. So we've got, you know, this giant fixture. At an angle in a wash pit without locks on it. Seems unsafe. Correct. So we didn't have a real formal purchasing process at the time. So the next thing I know, a couple days later, we get crap tons of wheels with locks showing up. (laughs) I'm like, oh, what do you want me to do with these? Like, who bought them? I did. I didn't tell you to. How can they buy stuff without permission? We didn't have purchasing processes in place. Okay. They just said to someone, buy it, and they bought it. Okay. So now we've got like a hundred freaking caster wheels because they want to place the wheels on all of the, the fixtures, on all of the carts. Okay. With ones with locks on them. Implementing corrective action without any plans or root cause. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. So then someone else said, and this was also accurate. All of these problems are accurate. Mm-hmm. Someone else said, well, that oven cleaner that they're using is really, really slippery. Mm-hmm. And Larry even admitted that it was hard for him to hold the stuff and manipulate it properly because it was so slippery and wet out there. You know, mm-hmm. it's kind of corrosive, so they had to wear these gloves. They'd get all slick and nasty. So the oven cleaner we're using is the problem. And all in all, this kept going on. We wound up with 11 different potential causal factors. And so I'm going through trying to figure out how can I mitigate every single one of these issues one at a time. Which, let's face it, that's the way we usually handle problems. Well, it sounds like a couple of guys mitigated them for you. They ordered cotter pins oh and caster wheels. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, and then uh, Curly um, also engineered this new fixture that had this uh, whole gearbox on it and all sorts of stuff. So he spent lots of time, effort, and money on this new, improved version of the fixture. Okay. So we're talking about hundreds and hundreds of dollars many hours being spent and meanwhile we're not doing the work so we've got customer work that's not going out Mm -hmm. and so i'm sitting here trying to figure out well how can i fix each issue one at a time all in all this went on for six months as i'm trying to figure out how to fix each issue one at a time Mm -hmm. now as i'm doing that i got to learn more about the actual process like what are they actually trying to do this mm-hmm. is one of the reasons that when I do process maps these days, identifying your goals and objectives is always a part of a process map. Had I identified the goal of putting that uh, oven cleaner and the whole need for this whole fixture in the first place, this would have been solved in about 30 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it took six months instead. 
Okay, so you learned. I learned. Turns out that the customer we were doing this for never requested those fuel nozzles to be cleaned like that. We thought it was a way that we could do it and save some time and save some money. Turns out we could just replace the tips of the fuel nozzles. Mm-hmm. Need We need an additional welding spec, which we developed. But we just needed to replace the uh, tips of the weld no- of the fuel nozzles. And we could do that in the weld shop. And it took about an hour. And that is what essentially needed to be cleaned. Yeah. Okay. The tips of these fuel nozzles did not need to be cleaned. It turned out some of the chemicals that they were using in that industrial strength oven cleaner were incompatible with the materials. So it was actually causing more problems down the road than what we realized. So y'all didn't even need the whole fixture anyway. Didn't need the fixture. Didn't need nothing. Now, at this point, we've had people very opinionated. I mean, ready to come to blows at points. Opinionated over how to solve this problem for six months multiple different camps multiple different ideas and so finally we said look we don't need this fixture anymore Mm -hmm. at this point curly had already built four new fixtures (laughs) (laughs) so here i am coming in after curly's built four new fixtures he's showing me he's got like 30 different autocad drawings where he has designed these things and i'm coming in saying curly we don't need that. We need a new weld specification so that we can weld a new tip onto these fuel nozzles. Those The tips of these fuel nozzles are not that expensive. It's going to take a weld or an hour, do a little inspection, NDT inspection on it. We're done. So we just need a weld spec, an inspection spec, and we're done. Well, he was so invested in his solution that he wouldn't hear any common sense. So sure enough, we had another issue in the wash pit. No one got hurt, just a near miss. And that was finally the last straw. Mm -hmm. So I'm sitting here debating this with company management. Like, what do we do? What do we do? What do we do? And no one was willing to stand up and say, do, you know, what we need to do, which was get rid of the fixtures and Mm -hmm. just replace the daggum nozzles. Right. So I went up there on a Saturday late at night, got a cutting torch and cut all the fixtures to pieces. (laughs) They were not happy with me. Hmm. But solved our problem. I did not know about this. Yeah, solved our problem. What did management say about it? Uh, They were mad that I cut up the metal because it turns out that Curly didn't order just stainless steel. This was like the really expensive alloys that Mm -hmm. he made this fixture out of. And so it turns out I cut up some really freaking expensive sheet metal. Um, I just assumed it was stainless, but no. Obviously, you did not lose your job over it. No. No, but the point here that I want to make is we had people so incredibly divided over how to solve the problem and no one person would even contemplate that there was more than one problem. Really was the closest. And so he engineered his own solution and created a new problem. Mm -hmm. But people were so adamant on this single cause. And it turns out hardly ever in real life. In fact, I've done... Uh, 67 different accident investigations not a single one of those accident investigations had a single cause it's mm-hmm. always a multiple causal factors so we had 11 big ones here from the slippery area the slope the wheels the cotter pins the gears the you name it and in the end it was all for a process that didn't even need to exist in the first place mm-hmm. so yeah it's, it's really fascinating when you start taking a look at root cause analysis 
you always have to dig a little deeper. Doesn't mean you'll find in a deeper answer, mm-hmm. but you do need to dig deeper because I spent six months trying to fix 11 problems. In the end, those 11 problems were symptoms of an even deeper issue that no one had addressed. Yeah, and you know, as you say this, because you mentioned it in our previous episode where we were talking about politics and border control, that's what I liken it to. And it just, it literally like makes my head hurt to think about that because I think there's so many things that need to be changed yeah. with the government. It's just like, where do you even begin? Yeah. And who wants to take on that job? Because n- nobody wants to listen. None of the no. politicians. I, I take that back. There are a few that would be willing to sit down and say, look, I don't care who has the best idea. Let's just solve the problem. Right. But most of them right. just want to be right. Well, and then there's so even if you are. This was something else I learned in this. Even if you are right, see, it did turn out. We we found out month, a couple of months later, as best I can recall. I mean, this was many many years ago, but um, we did have some instances of those fuel nozzles where they would build up some crud in the end, and the customer did not want to pay to have those fuel nozzles replaced. So when this issue came up, Curly came marching right to my desk to inform me of this <laughs> issue. <laughs> And so I got to talking to him. I was like, okay, well, what, what kind of crud's down there? So it turned out that what we could do is just get a very, very small um, uh, uh, burr. Mm-hmm. And effectively, we wound up buying an old school little cheap Dremel with the most teeny tiny burr possible. And we would just have someone, you know, clean out the inside of that fuel nozzle. Mm-hmm. And you know Curly's uh, argument to that was that you can't uh, you can't grind on it because that those holes are a very very specific diameter, very very specific angle. So we did a test, and we tested it, and we actually came up with a specification and a process for grinding and cleaning the inside of the holes on this fuel nozzle. Mm-hmm. Um, so we needed a weld spec, a little grinding spec an inspection in a Dremel, and this was a non-issue. I, I think about it like with our kids, our boys especially argue over so, so much. Yeah. And and I can't think of a specific example now, but there are many times that they argue and they are both right. Yes. You know, it's like saying, you know, their sister's dress is purple. No, it's violet. Yeah. Okay. You're both right. Yeah. <laughs> and you're arguing over it. Like, do you, yeah. you know, and I've told them that and I get so frustrated. I'm like, well, you're right. This is this. And you're right. And this is this. Do y'all see how stupid it is that you are arguing yes. over this? Please stop. Well, and there's so many, un- and I talk about this much, so many unintended consequences to our fixes. We really have to consider those unintended consequences. This is the reason it's so vital you document your corrective actions. Because you will forget in six months and six years what your thought process was when you put this into place. Um, I can agree to that. Yes. So they were cleaning these fuel nozzles with oven cleaner for these very rare instances where the tips of them got clogged and the customer did not want to pay to have them replaced. But it there were so many unintended consequences of the solution that they identified. Um, turns out that years before they did this cleaning process one fuel nozzle at a time and they actually had a fairly safe and effective process for doing it but for efficiency's sake mm-hmm. they wound up putting four fuel nozzles on the same cart 
Which caused a lot of problems. So you really have to think about what are the unintended consequences of solving this problem? Is there another solution that could prevent those? Or do I simply need to mitigate those issues when they come up in the future? And what is the real goal and outcome you want to come from this process? Yes. And they assumed their goal, they had their goal incorrect here. Their goal was to clean the fuel nozzles thoroughly, 100% of the time, as quickly and efficiently as possible. That was the wrong goal. Mm -hmm. They were achieving it, but that was the wrong goal. Mm -hmm. The goal should have been only, this goal should have been to ensure no fuel nozzles are shipped that are dirty and clogged on the inside. Mm -hmm. It sounds so minor. It sounds like they're the same goal. Right. But how Because if they're not dirty, then that means we need to clean them. Right. But you really have to be careful about how you set that goal. So bad goal can mean all sorts of nasty, unintended consequences even if we think we're on the same page. Mm -hmm. Hey guys, this is Darcy with Quality Matters. We really appreciate you listening. And if you enjoy it, we invite you to subscribe. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, anywhere you listen to your podcast. Subscribe, comment, leave us a review. We're happy to hear from you.